for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. Hey, Happy New Year! It's our first Nobody's Listening Anyway in 2022. Sim and I took a couple weeks off. I went to Austin, his second home, and he stayed home. How was it? And uh, I, I, I liked Austin. I, I left wanting more. We did. We, we it looked did like a, you guys did a lot. We did a lot, and that's huh. the problem with a three-day trip. When yeah. you go to a city that, and especially a city that you've never been is you want to get in as much as you can and also you want to stay downtown because you think especially cities that have good reputations of having lots to do like austin i gotta stay downtown we didn't run it we didn't rent a car the first two days we yeah so we did a lot we covered around a lot of ground and that's with sleeping in and so it's not particularly relaxing, but we built right. it. Or we built so you feel it. like you need a vacation from the vacation. Yes, yes, absolutely. We, and I'm the yeah. planner. I'm the Clark yes. Griswold. I do all of that. Gilbert's like, oh, that, we'll do whatever. I kept seeing your like Facebook post and thinking like, dude, you're supposed to be on vacation. That looks like work. <laughs> like, it kind of exhausting was. How much it, stuff you guys? It kind are of doing. was, but I wanted to see cool things. Yeah, Austin, I get it. I get it. And Austin's not exactly on the beach or a resort. I mean, it's, right. on, it's on a river. We spent some time on the nice little river there. And uh, it has nice running trails, but uh, I what I like to do, I, I'm a sunset guy. I like to kind of schedule things around the sunset. Where are we going to drink and watch the sunset? After we have done some things and we want to relax before we have dinner, Where and, and we had some good sunset views. We went to some cool places for some fancy cocktails and some good sunsets, and then at night we had a lot of fun. The two main nights that we were there, we actually there three nights, and uh, we hit up a couple gay bars, and we don't really have those here. So that was fun. Insert your own joke. There's not, <laughs> not much. Not touching that one. Uh, yeah. And uh, and uh, we did. And I wanted to see some live music, and we did it. Two of our we did it both. We did it two of our three nights. And we, thank you for the recommendation of the Continental Club, mm-hmm. uh, and because uh, that's kind of an institution. Thank, and we saw the Derailers, which you recommended, which is country and honky tonk and Elvis inspired. And I like that shit. Uh, the Zoo Bar in Lincoln, where I lived for five years, has that kind of stuff come mm-hmm. through town all the time and i love it been a while since i'd heard that plus we got to see there's a jazz show up top and anyway uh so we got some culture we had a good time and so our kind of relaxation day quote unquote was our third day where we rented a car and drove an hour and a half to the quote unquote wine country of texas which is not exactly napa valley but it was a 70 degree day and we had a good time doing that as well and then we and, and so that was our Relaxation. Have you ever gone wine tasting before? Jen and I talked about doing it while we were there, but obviously everything was shut down. Yeah, she's kind of a wine snob. Snob. It's a okay to bit. say. I, you know, Gilbert is too. I don't really drink wine. It's funny. You know, every once in a while she'll make me drink a glass. I'm like, this is good, but I don't know. I I, I enjoy the ta- I enjoy the process, but Gilbert, you know, you go to these wineries and you sign up for a tasting so you can taste all kinds of different kinds of wine, and it's like twenty five bucks. Yeah, that doesn't sound like something I would enjoy. And, and uh, <laughs> you would you'd enjoy. I've never got drunk off wine in my life. You'd enjoy. I literally never. Really? Never. What I like about wine is this: to me, it's the quickest and most relaxing buzz. It's my favorite thing to drink if I just want to go home and unwind. Because it hits you easily, but it doesn't hit you hard. Anyway, 
Gilbert likes trying. I, I enjoy trying the different kinds of wines. Gilbert really does. And you have this salesperson who's uh, actually this is it, it turned into a curb your enthusiasm episode in a in a sense because this lady, this your typical older Texas lady. She kind of looked like Ann Richards, the former governor, <laughs> and she was a fast talking kind of beauty old beauty queen. And uh, you could tell she was really good at her job. She was and she was telling jokes. She made a joke about uh, she made a joke about swallowing. Like finishing and swallowing in the sexual sense as Thank we you. get our food delivered to us, right as I'm saying that. Thank you. And uh, we're good. Thank you. At the Gateway Lounge, he's ready for his chislick. I'm ready for my chicken sandwich. Uh, anyway, we enjoyed the experience, but of course, you know, she's rolling. She's a good salesman. Gilbert can tell that. He's a salesperson. And okay, well, guess what? You can just, you, the typical thing you do is, okay, we'll buy some. You know, we we enjoy that we enjoy this process, and we want to go to basically go out on the patio and look at you know and look at the view and sit and have some wine out there on a 70 degree day. Uh, you, you have to buy some of their wine. You don't just taste the wine and leave. You could, but like if you want to go on the patio, you can't just sit there. You got to buy their wine, and you don't want to get a gl- glass because you're going to want a second glass. You just get a bottle. But then they try to get you into their fucking club. Some get, get a membership into our club, and we'll and you can buy three wines, and you'll get a fifty dollar rebate. And uh, and uh, well, oh, but we can't ship the wine to South Dakota. That's too bad. Oh, you're leaving tomorrow. Oh, okay, and we can't ship. Well, we'll find a way to figure this out. And you can get a discount on our food out on our patio. And we fucking fell for it. We're idiots. And um, but whatever, we still enjoyed our time. And then I wanted to go to another place. Gilbert wanted to stay at the place where we were at. We had like two hours of daylight left. And I'm like, I want to see the other one. We're here. There's like, there's one every two miles. There's like 10 of these. I want to go to another one. I just want to see another one. And I want to, you know, and Gilbert was kind of like, I'd rather just sit here. This is fine. Let's cash it in. And so we had to have that little stupid debate. And Team Gilbert on that one. Yeah. And uh, in retrospect, the other place was I'm all for sitting where I am. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, that was the trip to Austin. More description than you probably needed. It was fine. It was a good, fun three days. But I want to go. I want to go more because you spent some time there. And downtown's not that great. It's okay. It's not that great. We kept hearing from bartenders, a dude who gave us a, a bike tour of downtown Austin because Gilbert couldn't walk. He hurt his foot. That was great. Um, he hurt his foot really bad the first day. But but people were saying these other neighborhoods of Austin that you gotta. A, check out, and B, if you want to live there someday, live in. Like, downtown Austin wasn't everything, so left us wanting more. There you go. How's it chiselic? Outstanding. Good. How was your break? Great. Good. You're back You're back in the gym, you uh, You told me, before we flipped on the mic. Yep, I uh, rejoined the gym because I'm fat. <laughs> okay. I got engaged yes. over, over Christmas. Oh, yeah, that happened. Yep. We buried that lead. Yep. I guess we haven't talked about that on the podcast yet. Guess, yeah. All right, you you, <laughs> but you can't really talk. I'm gonna just have to keep talking because you're no, okay. Just, well, okay, yeah, because well, we have so much to get to. We have Bob Saget uh, dying. He trumps everything, and it's a busy day to talk about sports. Mike Zimmer got fired from the Vikings. So did Rick Spielman, which was a bit of a surprise. And uh, what to make of NDSU's domination in the national title game, and, uh, and and how it applies to SDSU and the future of FCS with two of its best schools, JMU and Sam Houston, going Division uh, One uh, or going uh, FBS, and uh, yeah, a little Jackrabbit and Coyote hoops as well because they you know they like played each other and stuff, and it's uh, Summit League season now. But Zim got engaged. And uh, you told me a little bit about this before we flipped on the mic uh, last time we did this. 
at the Gateway for lunch. You knew and it before it had been publicly announced. I yes. did, yes, and I appreciate that. Makes me feel very special. Um, interesting process. It was an interesting engagement, to say the least. I will go like, on the like you, I was Like you, I was not the one that was uh, proposed to. I was the one that had to answer the question some years ago. You said that wrong, but yeah, I know what you meant. Okay. Yeah, I... Uh, I did not really. I think you did. Anyway. No, no. We were both proposed to. Neither of us did the proposing. Okay, yeah. That's right. Yes, yeah. in the traditional roles, because everybody thinks Gilbert's the woman in our relationship, <laughs> and I'm the man. He and is. Gilbert proposed to you, and Jen, or Gilbert proposed to me, and Jen proposed to you. I right. sure hope Gilbert didn't propose go. to you. You got it right. That there'd be something screwy with that. It was funny when we, uh, you know, we went to different, we wanted to tell our family at Christmas, and we have like three different Christmases just because of, you know, mom's side, dad's side, there's divorces, that kind of thing. And when we told my mom's side of the family, my cousin Joe, who you know, <clears throat> blurts out, thinking he's being a comic, uh, how did she ask you? And everyone laughs really hard. I'm like, no, she actually did. <laughs> and he was like, oh, ruined my joke. I was like, yeah, I don't know if that makes it more funny or less funny. But, um, yeah. I was in uh, Philadelphia for the quarterfinal game against Villanova. Long weekend, made longer by, you know, there, that was the weekend of, there was a lot of snow er, snowing everywhere, so a lot of travel plans got interrupted. My flight uh, home from Philadelphia got canceled. I had to find another one to get home. Instead of getting home at like 6 in the afternoon like I was supposed to, I got home about midnight. And uh, Jen kept texting me like, when are you going to be home? When are you going to be home? Like, what's your flight? I was like, geez, relax. I'll be home when I'm going to be home. I was kind of getting annoyed. Like, will you shut up and leave me alone? And then I get home and... And she asked me to marry her, so that's why she was so um, adamant about or excited about finding me to get me home. So um, I was going to do it anyway at some point, and I think maybe she realized. Sure, that's what they all say. Well, I think maybe she realized that like it was getting built up to this thing where like we've both been married before, and we had talked about you know how do we want to do this? You know, do we want to make it more low key because we've been married before, or? You know, there's a, a child involved, you know, what what kind of things. And I think we had both just kind of built it up to where, like, okay, anything I do isn't going to be cool enough or whatever. And I think she recognized that and was like, well, that's not really fair to him to have to, like, feel like he's got pressure on him to think of this cool, perfect engagement. So she thought, how about I surprise the hell out of him, which obviously she did. And uh, I was... I did not hesitate. I said yes immediately. Because as anyone who has seen a picture of her or met her knows, she's out of my league. So, yay for me. I remember when you met her and you, yeah, you, you emphasized how out of your league she was. Almost every woman I've ever had has been out of my league, to be fair. <laughs> that includes Steph, Brian, Megan, Abby, all, all of them. There's a long list, but... You Sorry. outkick the coverage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, 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 what, a, that's, what, that's what every new head coach uh, at every new job says when they when yeah, they introduce their, their wife. wife. Yeah, yeah. I outkick my coverage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Very happy. Uh, we enjoy uh, Gilbert and I enjoy Jen. It's good times, and uh, it's. I, I'm just a little disappointed she doesn't join us as often for these for these podcasts anymore because. I'll get her back. It's a little more fun when she's here. <laughs> Gilbert wants to do it too, but he oh always. 
Yeah, yeah. That would Gilbert and Jen have their own. Th- that would that would be fun. I would I would well I'd listen to it for about five minutes. Like, okay, this is fun, but I get it. I know these people. Probably what a lot of people have done for this podcast today because they're like, uh, guys, eleven minutes in. What the fuck? All right. Um, yeah. Well, we're not gonna we're not gonna do sports even yet. Uh, we're, we're gonna lead with what we're gonna lead with before we uh, you know did did our catching up. So Bob Saget dies last night, and it's uh, man. There've been a lot of famous people dying over the last. These things just come in huge waves. Started with Betty White and uh, Sidney Poitier, who really wasn't my generation, but I understand the impact he had on film and for, for before we were born, pop culture, uh, especially in the racial sense. And then, uh, and then uh, Bob Bob Saget, and uh, as of our taping on one at one forty on a Monday afternoon. We don't know exactly how he died. He was 65, and uh, apparently no drugs in his body, and um, no foul play. Hotel room in Orlando. He had posted less than 24 hours before that that he had just played Jacksonville, and he was addicted to this shit, which is going on the road. Sounds like a heart attack or something, but you never know. Uh, And probably in his sleep. Um, My mom died in her sleep of a heart attack at 63, and she was in relatively good shape for her age. She had a little diabetes type one, but uh, sounds very similar to how my mom died, and. Uh, just a testament to, that, to all of us that it could happen at any time. Um, but, man, uh, th- I mean, the good news when something like this happens, that plus Norm McDonald, who had been secretly sick. Um, you know, Norm died a few months ago. We talked briefly about that on the podcast. Uh, the bad news is they're dead. The good news is that gives, that, that gives you a, a period of several hours Maybe even two or three days or a week, and now with the magic of YouTube and other things, just to, just to watch and consume and enjoy them, like somebody you may have you may have not thought about for a while. And I think that's what Bob. It was clear on social media that uh, everybody loved Bob Saget, and not just like enjoyed his work, but those who seemed to know him, uh, who tweeted about him or were interviewed, loved the guy. So uh, you know, sad day. What were you thinking? I was sad. He's a good comic. I mean. It's very funny how he had this <clears throat> sort of second wind in his career as this uh, dark, perverse, almost sort of oh, yeah. guy who will say anything, which I think was very much influenced by or a re- direct response to him having spent the first half of his career as America's dad, you know, the Danny Tanner from Full House and then the uh, America's Funniest Home Videos show that we all knew him from. Full House was, you know, the corniest, sappiest, I hated most, it. most innocent show ever. Absolutely um, hated it. I didn't, and that might surprise you. I'm normally the kind of person who hates that kind of smarm or, or whatever. Or not smarm, but just... Uh, schmaltzy. Schmaltzy, that's the word I was looking for, thanks. Um, I watched that show a lot when I was a kid because we had a TV in our uh, kitchen that didn't have cable, so it only had two channels, and that was always on when I got home from school, and so I just sort of watched it. And then just recently, Jen decided to binge the old Full House series on Netflix. And she was watching a lot of it, and I was kind of like, come on. We're 40 years old. Why are we watching this shit? She was like, I don't know. It's just kind of comfort food. I just want to watch it for a while. And she watched a bunch of them, and I watched some of them with her, and I was kind of like, you know, this show isn't as bad as you would think. Like, very much had its heart in the right place, and, you know... The uh, who's the Uncle Joey? Is it Joey? The the John Stamos, yeah. No, not John Stamos. The other one, Dave Coulier. Jesse. 
No. Oh, Jesse was Stamos and yeah. Dave Coulier was. Yeah, I, th- I think it was a Joey. Stamos was the heartthrob. Yeah, and he was and he was. Who Jesse. they tried so hard to make into this like kind of a rebel, but kind of a nice guy who like plays Beach Boys songs. It's yeah. really lame. It was. But he's still the, he's still the most likable character. The other guy, the Dave Coulier, the wannabe stand-up comic, is terrible. Yeah. And then Alanis Morissette later told us that she he was terrible in real life too. But oh, really? <laughs> that's a whole other thing. Thanks for that tidbit. But anyway, yeah, it, I, it it was a cute show that was a part of a lot of our childhoods. And then obviously America's Home Videos, Funny Home Videos, was this huge thing on Sunday nights. My whole family used to watch that every single week. Like yeah. we didn't miss that. We would sit down and watch because we. Who didn't laugh their ass off at watching some dad get kicked in the nuts by right. his four-year-old son? Yeah, you know the, I mean? yeah wiffle ball yeah. from the wiffle bat goes That's right into the na- nuts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, But then, yeah, when he had this... Overweight people slipping and sliding this, places this and breaking career chairs. of telling horribly ribald jokes yeah. and you know no topic off limits or it was very shocking to be like oh my god this is bob saget and that's, that's what made it awesome uh-huh. uh because it flipped for me like I was, i'm a couple years older than you so when full house came out i was like 10 12 14 and it's weird because my friends and i hated it and thought it was awful but we kind of watched it too like we knew <laughs> we would we watch it together were. we knew who the character we knew the uh, catchphrases like that's so rude and mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, you know the the uh, the cute uh, Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen played uh, whatever her name was, but yeah, I always thought Bob's I, but, but but Saget to me was like oh god, it's just like you know uh, bread sandwiches and room temperature water as our friend De Greg would say, and uh, and then uh, then uh, I'm a stoner in high school watching the movie Half Baked stoned because that's how you're supposed to watch it at a friend's house and oh, and then all of a sudden I think that was the turning point oh yeah. I don't know I, I there was I don't there was nothing in between this stuff between Full House and America's Funniest Home Videos like he was just and in the comic world by the way he was kind of noted as like the example of the complete sellout he had been a stand-up comic and then and actually the, the blue part wasn't his second act. It was his first act before he got into oh, sitcoms. And I had a chance to have uh, Bob Saget on my radio show here in Sioux Falls three years ago because he came to do Grand Falls Casino. And I had, and I told him, I told him w- during the interview, early in the interview, I said, to be honest, I, and I don't know why I told him this, like he fucking cared, but I was like, I didn't, I, because I didn't want to pretend like I loved Full House. I said, my, my friends and I were just felt too old and too, I don't know, hip for, for Full House. And uh, but man, what 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 really got me with you was uh, your your cameo Turn to the dark side. Your cameo <laughs> in Half Baked, and uh, I guess for those of you who haven't seen it, I I, I don't really want to ruin it, but you know it's kind of like it's 25 years old. You've either seen it or you haven't. You know this is a movie about a, about a bunch of stoners, and one of them, Dave Chappelle, before he got great, wants to kind of get out. Finally meets a chick who wants to kind of be, turn him into a an adult and get out of the stoner life. And uh, and and then all of a sudden he goes to some support drug rehabilitation support group meeting, and he's going up there. It's his first time there, and uh, and he talks about how he's hooked on marijuana. And Bob Saget gets up, you know, question from the audience, and he just says, "Excuse me, excuse me, uh, do you suck?" <laughs> you don't need to go any further. I don't know. Yeah, do you do you suck bleep for uh, weed? Uh, what? And then Bob Saget repeats it again, louder. And, and Dave Chappelle says, no. And Bob Zag goes, okay, well, great. Well, I suck bleep for cocaine. And then he said it again. And to a, like a 17 or 18-year-old, 
who had only known Bob Saget as squeaky clean Danny Tanner and the doofus from America's Funniest Home Videos, that was the funniest thing, <laughs> one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Because it, Not just because it was funny and because it would have been funny from anyone. Right. It's a great line in a movie. It, it was so funny because it was from like Bob the, Saget. The, it was like the Dan Wayne Tanner. Brady cameo on the Chappelle yes, show. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> same exact same concept. You're yeah. just so shocked. And, and he told me on my show, and he, he's like, yeah, that's kind of what I did before I be, I turned into Danny Tanner. He and he said initially his stand-up act, early 80s or so, when he first came out to L.A., was uh, he played a lot of guitars and he sang a lot of songs. And then he learned how to be able to not use that as a prop. Mm-hmm. And, and and he was kind of blue, but not really. And then he started hanging out with guys like Sam Kinison and some of the dirt and some of the dirtier comics who were getting on national TV and and making a lot of money. He's like, oh, okay, I can be dirty. And then and then he didn't really tell the story of how he got Full House. But then obviously once you get Full House, it's right. a completely different direction. So he had the he had to be that, and he was that for five or seven years, and made uh, over a hundred million dollars doing it. And then once he had made his dough, he turned, you know, uh-huh. now he could go right back into being crass and doing whatever he wanted. There was Half Baked. There was the movie Dirty Work. Did you see that with yes. Norm MacDonald? Yes. He was good friends with Norm. That gives you a lot of cachet in the com- in the comedic club. And then, I don't know if you remember this, um, uh, did you ever watch the show Entourage? I know he was on it. I yeah. didn't watch it. Yeah. He was always, he, I think he was himself in Entourage, and he was always mm-hmm. laying around smoking a bong. And just, 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 yeah, yeah, just being pretty much the same guy from Half Baked. And then his roast was one of the best roasts uh-huh. I've ever seen. They're all pretty good. Uh, yeah, so uh, mainly because of Norm and what Gilbert Godfrey did. And uh, anyway, he admitted when he talked to me on the show that uh, even that roast that, that they did for him, you can't be that kind of a comic anymore. He said, my humor is PG-17 now. Because in the in the age of post uh, 2016 election and uh, political divisiveness and political correctness, like he had the kind of he kind of went, would go back and forth between being crass and being clean, mm-hmm. and the and the thing and that's and the thing is, is he had the chops to do both, so he was awesome. Anything else, or have we expired, Bob Saget? I think we've covered it. Okay. Well, you were really excited to hear about me getting to talk to him. I don't remember. I you know I. Yeah. Paid pretty close attention to your show. I didn't remember that. Yeah, and uh, he was the last one about that. Is he was coming to Grand Falls? He was a, he was the nicest guy. It wasn't that hilarious of an interview. He kind of hijacked the interview by telling people what to expect out of his show, which fine. That's what he's there to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, but he was delightful. And uh, I mean, his one joke is my PG, my humor is PG seventeen, and sometimes the grandmas think I go too far, and that's after they visited my room. <laughs> Sorry. And uh, that was it for jokes. But he, he he wanted to know if I was coming and he could get me a seat. And I had already committed to going to watch Owen Six Nebraska play Minnesota in my annual pilgrimage to to Lincoln to watch a Husker game. And I now wish I would have gone to see the Bob Saget show because somebody I know tweeted that they went to see a Saget show recently and it was awesome. It was hilarious. So there you go. That's Bob Saget. All right. So Mike Zimmer got fired. <laughs> how are your How was your chiselic? It was outstanding. I managed to. It uh, really was. In the f- their fries are so good. I'm not just saying that. If they sucked, I'd say so. They're good. Okay, good. Yeah, all right. Uh, Mike Zimmer gets fired from the Minnesota Vikings. I've got a lot to say on this. I know you do, too. You're the diehard Vikings fan here. You go first, because I... No, I've no, been no, I've been, no, I've been filibustering here about uh, Bob Sagan. Well, it's your I, turn I, to I talk. I honestly don't have a whole lot to say about Mike Zimmer. Like, I liked him. And Rick Spielman, by uh, the way. Yeah, I liked Spielman, though, too. I mean, I, I thought... 
I thought he put together a pretty good roster most years. Injuries did this team in at multiple times in the past. The Bridgewater thing, obviously, but just some other years where so many guys went down, and even recent years, you know, with Daniel Hunter never being healthy, and you know, uh, this year Irv Smith. I, you know, those are just two guys, but they probably would have made a huge difference. Anyway, I liked Mike Zimmer. I wanted him to be the Vikings coach when he was a candidate. Um, I liked him, his personality. He, you could make an argument he's the most popular, well-liked Vikings coach probably since Bud Grant. Uh, I think Vikings fans felt like he was sort of one of us, so to speak, you know, that Midwestern blue-collar mentality and the no-nonsense press conferences and whatnot. And uh, I had never at any point before this season wanted him fired. Um, and even this year I kind of thought, get to the playoffs and that's good enough. Um, and it probably would have been, you know, they only ended up missing the playoffs by a game or two, finished eight and nine. Anyone who watched this team saw they easily could have been <laughs> 12 and five, you know, with the close games they lost. But you just look at, you know, where they were when they made it to the NFC championship, the Minneapolis miracle. It's been pretty much all downhill since then. One playoff appearance where they, they did win, get that playoff win in new Orleans. And that was fun as a little fuck you to the Saints, but otherwise it just they just haven't been good enough and at at this at some point it's like it's time to start over. And I think even obviously there's people out there who always want the coach fired, always want the GM fired, whatever. But even people like myself who have been big Zimmer fans, big Spielman fans, I think are like, it's time. It ran its course. That's yeah. that period. It's kind of like Ron Gardenhire with the Twins. It's yeah, not that's like actually it, it's, very similar. It's not like a fuck you, get your ass out the door, don't let it hit you on the way out. Right. It's 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 thanks for the memories. We had that run. It was nice, and uh, things the 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 shimmer, the shine is gone, and it, it it's not going anywhere. It's not it's not doing anything, and. I think it's a great day for Vikings fans that Zimmer and Spielman are gone, that you're going to have an entirely new regime, an entirely new era, and oh, by the way, you should get somebody good. I realize there's going to be six to, to and maybe even more than six head coaching openings in the NFL. The Vikings have a pretty damn decent roster. Uh, they have incredible facilities, which you should, because that negates how tough it is to get free agents to come here because of the bitter cold. You got a lot. Of, you got. You know, it, this is not a reclamation. It's always project. one of the better jobs whenever it comes open. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not a reclamation project. But look, you, you should be happy that both of them are gone. Rick Spielman was essentially the GM, different titles, but ran football for 15 years. He averaged eight wins a year in the wash. He was a 500 GM, mm-hmm. and Mike Zimmer was a barely more than 500 coach. He managed to avoid the double-digit losses. But it, and by the way, it should be it should be great that they underachieved to the point where they had a losing record, didn't make the playoffs, and got Zimmer fired. So it was right, definitely Right, because what if they went 10-7 and, and lost in the first round, and then you're spinning your wheels some more? Because not only would he probably get to retain his job a lot, like two years ago, a lot of Vikings fans would be like, yeah, this is good enough, this is fine, I, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't want to break it all down, it's fine. Be careful what you wish for. Now you get clarity, like it, something, somebody else needs to be running that stuff. And I think it completely turned on the day that they signed Kirk Cousins, and, and Judd Zolged. Uh, had uh, made a pretty good point about this as a guy who's been a beat writer for that team for several coaching regimes. He mentioned that before 
the day, this was right after they got owned by the Eagles in the NFC Championship game, uh, where Zim was basically at his zenith, obviously. He took him to within a win of the Super Bowl. He had the number one defense in the NFL. Then he gets embarrassed. He gets his ass handed to him by Doug Peterson and the Eagles. And But most Vikings fans who had half a brain thought you're a quarterback away. You got the defense. You got the offensive weapons, Diggs, Thielen, Dalvin Cook. You're a quarterback away, and you get the best you could get at the time, Kirk Cousins. And Mike Zimmer, up to this point, had been mildly innovative. He had hired, as you mentioned before we flipped on the mic, former head coaches as assistants. He had a, he had a smart, wise room. Uh, guys like Norv Turner and um, Tony Sperano and there were one or two others in there. Uh, and and you know, he revitalized a, a sinking ship in, in, in rather short time with running game and defense and, no, and the personality everybody loved, and it worked. He seemed to be a coach that was popular with players. The day Kirk Cousins came in, uh, for better or for worse, Zimmer is a guy who does not hide himself very well. And that press conference, in fact, you could, take, you could find still pictures of it right now and Google it, of what Zimmer, Mark Wilf, Rick Spielman, and Kirk Cousins posing with Kirk Cousins holding his jersey on the press conference. Three of those people are beaming, like, fuck, yes, we're going to the Super Bowl. One of them is like, get me the, get me out of here. I fucking <laughs> hate this. You spent all this money, you, you spent a fourth of the team's money on the quarterback, and what am I going to do with my defense now? Sheldon Richardson literally was waiting in another room for Zimmer to try to coax him to come to Minneapolis. Uh-huh. And I just think he's more of a defensive coordinator than a head coach. He had some good head coaching years, but at this day and age, you can't just care about and take care of your defense. I don't blame Spielman for doing what he did with Cousins. I don't either. And I'm still not convinced that Cousins is the reason this thing has fallen apart. No, and I, that's I mean, not what I was saying. I, I, no, I know you're not. Okay, uh, um, I'm just saying that's where it went south for Mike as a head but coach. I, 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 but I was going to say, like, you know, the numbers are there for Cousins, and we've obviously all discussed this at length. You know, he throws for 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. You don't win anything. Um, who knows where it was going to go with Case Keenum? I don't think probably anywhere. But I think it's at least uh, entertaining, I guess, to wonder, like, what would it have looked like? Okay, Case Keenum wouldn't have put up the statistics that Kirk Cousins did, but you t- take that money and d- divest it elsewhere. I mean, if you go back, I think it was Judd who who was posting some quotes from Zimmer, like in the immediate aftermath, talking about like seemed to be campaigning in the media for the Vikings not to go after Kirk Cousins, saying like I don't want a high priced quarterback. You know, I want a serviceable quarterback. And then be able to do whatever, whatever. He did not want Case Keenum, though. Zimmer made it obvious he did not like Case. I don't. Anyone who thought that that was anything more than a flash in the pan, whatever, we all know that, and it it has since been proven. He's backing up for the Browns or something. Um, This is why I feel bad for Mike Zimmer. Um, The Teddy Bridgewater thing happens. Yeah, you know that was that was supposed to be their guy. Water, please. I'll get a water. Water. Yeah, fine. That sucks. That was obviously a big part of of their. Of their plan of Mike, Z- put yourself in Mike Zimmer's sure, shoes, I guess. Sure. Leaving aside the Spielman angle, he's like, "This is my quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater. We're we'll b- build around this guy." He didn't just have the usual like, "Oh, I tore my ACL. I'm out for a year." That happens to a lot of teams. He was out for two years. Yeah. And essentially, his career was. I mean, he did make an admirable comeback, but never going to be that franchise guy that the Vikings right. hoped he would. We don't know that he ever would have been. So there's that. That happened to Mike Zimmer. There's the Blair Walsh field goal in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Now that I think that was an 11 and five team. They were on the road in the first round of the playoffs, so it's not like they were necessarily going to make a Super Bowl run. But they were just about to beat the Seahawks in Seattle at a time. No, that was a home game. That was a 
That was oh, oh, I was thinking it was, was outdoors. That was the Gopher Stadium. I was thinking it was outdoors. That, that was, was the Bud game. Grant shirtless game. Yes, sleeveless yeah, game. Yeah, it was in, in Minneapolis. Yeah, 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 you're right. You're right. Yeah, zero degrees. I forgot. But it, still, anyway, that that was not necessarily seen as a Super Bowl team because that was, I believe, a wild card game. But this was right when the, the Seahawks were still in the throes of exactly. of what was a potential that dynasty. A, that would have been a big, big yeah. win, and they they had it for all intents and purposes. And Blair Walls blew it. That wasn't Mike Zimmer's fault. That no. happened to him. Sure. Um, so you got that. We got the Blair Walsh thing, Teddy Bridgewater thing, and then I guess you can say the Kirk Cousins thing, only because he didn't want it. Whether or not you and I, or Rick Spielman, thought that that was the right thing to do, Zimmer didn't want it. So he's sitting here unemployed now, out on his ass, going, thanks, if you did just let me have my way, you know, may, either A, it would have worked out, or B, at least I'd be the one, you know... I'd be fired because of my decision, not your decision. I'm sure Mike Zimmer's probably to some degree sitting here going, thanks, Rick. I lost my job because you did what I told you not to do. Now, I don't necessarily agree with, agree with Mike Zimmer on that on that front, but that's obviously where he was coming from. Mm-hmm. From the Blair Walsh to the Teddy Bridgewater to the Kirk Cousins to some other things in there, too. We mentioned injuries. You know, Sam Bradford had a, had a nice year as the quarterback was supposed to come back the next year. Then he gets hurt again. You know, we, we talked about Daniil Hunter, some of the other stuff. I mean, there have been a lot of a lot of things that have happened that have been outside of Mike Zimmer's control that have impacted them. And we always talk about the Vikings being cursed or whatever, this and that. I mean, it's tough. I, I think he, I think Mike Zimmer honestly believed he was going to be the guy to win a Super Bowl in Minnesota. Absolutely. I think as personally as a Vikings fan, I don't ever think I don't think that person exists. I don't think the Vikings are ever going to win a Super Bowl. Um, but I admired the fact that he was the guy who kind of said, this is where it happens. I'm going to be the guy to do it. And I kind of felt like, as a Vikings fan, man, if anyone's ever going to do it, it might be this guy. And I'm still not convinced that he wasn't the right guy to do it. It just didn't happen. Well, uh, I, I am convinced he wasn't the right guy to do it. Again, he's a better coordinator than a head coach. And the thing that was going good for him his first few years, two division titles, two playoff appearances, uh, should have had at least two playoff wins. Uh, the, the Minneapolis Miracle, by the way, I mean, the Vikings almost blew that one. And uh, and then getting owned by Doug Peterson. But it was still a great first four years or so. And um, and his he built the defense. He built the defense from day one. Anthony Barr was his first pick. He revamped that defense. And, uh, I mean, he almost hit on all notes from Everson Griffin. To, I, don't, I don't know if Harrison Smith came before he got there, but, like, he just kept he 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 built an, a, a great defense. Once uh, he once some of those players either got hurt or, or didn't stay or just took a turn for the worse, like Everson Griffin, and uh, you know he didn't have a top five defense. It, it, it just got really bad the last two years. This is all about the last two years after yes. after his job was on the line. He was going to miss the playoffs back to back years after that Philly uh, loss. And uh, they squeaked into the playoffs. And then, of course, Kirk Cousins has his one-clutch performance in a big game um, in overtime in New Orleans. And, and it looked like the Cowboys were interested in Mike Zimmer to be their next head coach. And instead, he wins. The Vikings wrap him and Spielman up for a couple more years. They're like, oh, we got, we got to cling on to this. We just went 10-6 and six and won a wild card game. Okay, fine. After that point, he was 15-19, and 19, mm-hmm. and his defense was among the worst five in the NFL for two years in a row. And I get he had a lot of injuries and whatever. Partly, I mean, Rick Spielman drafted like ass the last yeah. two or three years as well. And so he deserves yeah. to lose that job as well. A lot Agreed. of people are surprised that Rick Spielman isn't still there because he cushed up to the Wilfs so well. He was known as a survivor. Yeah. He had been there 15 years. He was their football guy. Yeah. Let's teach the owners about football and talk some football with Rick. And uh, people just thought he would stab Zimmer in the back and he'd be the one to 
stay, or at the very least, I'll take a box for that. Thank you. Yep. And uh, and instead, and, and or at the worst, get elevated to like a cushy president or executive right. role. And instead, they're like, nope, we're cutting all ties. We want a new guy who overlooks football, who won't have to feel like somebody's breathing down his neck. Uh, it's just the last two years uh, were, uh, well, were terrible defensively. And he also, last thing, was he, he, coordinator-wise, knowing he needed to make the playoffs to keep his job, probably, is he hired he made nepotism hires yeah. for both coordinators, and they were rookies, and they stunk. Clint yeah. Kubiak and his kid. I know Andre Patterson's the co-defensive coordinator, but uh, to not continue to surround yourself with uh, with with bigger with you know with bigger minds and to put your own ego aside, that was a that was a bold move that did not work for him. Well, they, were, you know, they, were, they underachieved this year. And, uh, absolutely, everyone. I mean, we've seen it repeatedly. People talk about this Vikings team should be coached. eleven and six or twelve and five or whatever. You know. And talking about the three things I mentioned that that sort of happened to Mike Zimmer, that being the case, his ultimate downfall was his inability to manage an offense. Yeah. Constantly cycling through coordinators, not necessarily handling quarterbacks well, constantly meddling and wanting to be this old school three yards in a cloud of dust, run the football, run the football, run the football. No one's winning the Super Bowls by running football these days, Mike. Get a grip. Yep. His ultimate downfall was his inability to manage the other side of the football. Yeah, his defense slipped the last couple of years. I think it eventually would have got back on track. There were injuries. There were some, sure. some misfires on the draft. The guy still knows how to coach defense. Yeah. He couldn't figure out how to manage the offense. That was his ultimate downfall. Now, with Spielman, we can talk about you know the Christian Ponder draft pick, the Kirk Cousins debacle, whatever you want to call it, all these other things. Those are all valid criticisms or whatever. But Spielman's ultimate downfall was not drafting Christian Ponder. It was not signing Kirk Cousins. I know it was his going. inability to draft an offensive line. Bingo. So many swings and misses. He either ignored it for too long, yes. or then when he finally addressed it, he drafted the wrong guys. Mm-hmm. So these two guys, we can talk about the pluses and minuses, the positives and negatives. They both did a lot of great things. They both made a lot of mistakes. But ultimately, it's very clear what their downfall was. Spielman fucked up the offensive line, and Zimmer couldn't coach an offense. Yeah, and, and, and he... At first was a player's coach who rebuilt the thing, more of a defensive player's coach than an offensive player's coach. But, you know, it's this is it's a trivial point on his last day. We argued about this on Twitter. I felt like I was uh, you were the bully pushing me around in the schoolyard with what the Justin Jefferson thing came to be <laughs> yesterday. Uh, that was just funny when you said isolating a concept. I concern. was isolating a concept. That was, that I was thought, a funny word. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sorry I made fun of you for it. Did you get what I meant by that? Not or you didn't really, like my really, choice of words? Really. Well, here's and I and I listened to a little bit more about this afterward. Is um, it, it is a reflection of Zimmer on his way out uh, with the fact that uh, grander scheme? Yes, Justin Jefferson was on the cusp of breaking a Randy Moss record w- with an extra game to do it, team which would which would have been an asker. I agree records. with that too. But it was clear that it meant a ton to Justin Jefferson and to a lot of his teammates. And Mike Zip, and, and, and the Chicago Bears, by the way, Matt Nagy's getting his ass fired. They're a terrible team. They would have totally understood. They're, they're not trying to score. They're just trying to get no, a pass to Justin no, Jefferson. Disagree. No, no. And no. I get if, the Cousins if, missed him wide open on that last touchdown to They Osborne. also sent him up a screen pass okay. on that last drop that, that he just dropped. But this but this was Zimmer on the – it just felt like there was a disconnect between him and his players, except for no, the guys he I'm truly not, loved. no. And there was a disconnect between him and... No, if you're saying okay. that they should have made more of an effort to get him the ball throughout the game... Yes. Okay, okay, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. I'm just saying, with literally 15 seconds left, that the idea that they should have... But 
No, I'm talking about literally one, the last play of the game when they took a knee. Well, they they ran the ball first, and that took 40 seconds off the clock. Then I'm they just took saying, a knee. They shouldn't have it's, thrown a 20 okay, yard pass. It's, in it's, it's, it's a micro thing, and it's an isolation of a. <laughs> thank you of a concept. But it, but he uh, no, but uh, it was obvious by his body language, and there, there were reports internally, um, you know that. Uh, that he just, you know, he was, he was, the, he was the, he became crustier and crustier and more stubborn and more stubborn, and eventually he he lost most of the guys except for those who, uh, you know, were his guys from day one, like Harrison Smith and Anthony Barr. Anyway, I, there's not a big argument here. I, there's not a lot of Zimmer stalwarts, so let's move on because who's going to be the new coach? And by the way, I don't think there's too many people that would argue or disagree with Spielman. It's it, Spielman being fired. It's time for a fresh coat of paint and a cleansing. Um, I don't know about I don't know about the top GMs on the market. We know it's an attractive job. Head coach, who do you want? I have no idea. I really don't. Um, this isn't one of those years where there are obvious candidates. Um, I'll say this. I don't really want it to be a retread, and I don't think there's a lot of those out there. Doug Peterson's really the only name I've heard floated. Maybe Brian Flores, who was just fired by Miami unexpectedly. Kellen Moore and Eric Bieniemy, offensive coordinators. I was going to say, almost all the top names are current coordinators. And you would think that the Vikings would go with an offensive coach, given that their last two coaches were both defensive guys. Um, that's generally, you know, you do an offense guy for a while, yep. you go to defense, whatever. So I would think it'd be an offensive coordinator type. The enemy, I would think, will be a candidate. Uh, Kellen Moore will be a candidate. Byron Leftwich maybe will be a candidate. There's, you know, I'm not as uh, in tune to who the coordinators are around the league as I used to be. So, I, you know, I don't know. I'd stay away from, obviously, anyone in New England or <laughs> you know, something like that. But um, I don't know. I just, I do. I will say this. We talked about this a little bit before we went on. I used to love the fact that, uh, Mike Zimmer did it, and I think maybe even Childress and, and Leslie Frazier did it a little bit too, but I used to love when the Vikings would put former head coaches on their staff as assistants. You know, We talked about Mike Singletary, Pat Shermer, Tony Sperano, Norv Turner, all these guys that have been head I always thought, what a great way to, you know, just that much more experience on your staff. You know, you're going to have that much more expertise, whatever. That's great. The last few years, I've kind of thought maybe you know maybe that's not the way to do it. Maybe that just means you have a team that's too old-fashioned or too set in their ways or has too many cooks in the kitchen, whatever. All those sorts of things. Like, I'd like to see the Vikings really clean house. I mean, obviously they're really clean house, but just mean like bring in a fresh set of of people, new football people, new personnel people, new coaches. Like, you don't need to have some grandfatherly figure to make sure. Well, this is how you do that. No, you know. Bring somebody, whether it's Eric Bieniemy or Kellen Moore, let that guy bring in whoever he wants, and if they're all 33 years old, big deal. I don't care. I think the Vikings need to blow this thing up. The biggest problem with the Vikings, and you know this as well as anyone, is they're perpetually right in the middle. You know, There have yeah. been a lot of garbage franchises out there that have a Super Bowl ring. Because, you know, how many years of being shitty, but then, you know, they stocked enough draft picks and they finally got it together and they made a run and won a Super Bowl. You know, I mean, how much of a joke of a franchise did the New Orleans Saints used to be? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Those are the teams I laughed at when I was a kid. You know, they've got Super Bowl rings now. The Vikings don't because they're never shitty. They're never awesome. I mean, occasionally, and occasionally they're shitty too. But for every 13-3 and three or 3-13, three and 13, there's a zillion 9-7s and sevens and 7-9s. Seven yep. and nines. Go ahead and blow this thing up, and if you're three and fourteen next year, great, big deal. Get some draft picks. Try and build this thing from the ground up. Yeah, and and by the way, 
I mean, uh, first I'll go through my my preferences. If I were to rattle, I, I think it's all kind of a, I think it's all kind of a wash. I, I, I'm attracted by, I, I'm mildly attracted by Doug Peterson because I do think some of this it, it is not a rebuilding effort, and and maybe that is and, and maybe a me. guy who actually won a Super Bowl. Uh, as recently as three or four years ago in Minneapolis, not that that really means anything, after beating the Vikings, not that that really means anything, but uh, yeah, compared to these other coordinators, Todd Bowles, the Buccaneers defensive coordinator, I mean, Tom Brady's your quarterback. I get he's he's considered a genius and was, and then he got the Jets job, and that's a terrible job, and maybe he's a really good coach. I, I wouldn't, that wouldn't, like, I, I wouldn't be like, that's a terrible hire. It's fine. Uh, Eric Bieniemy and, and Kellen Moore, they, they might be great, but they've never been head coaches. A guy who recently won a Super Bowl is attractive to me. The problem is we don't know how much of that was Doug Peterson, how much of that was Carson Wentz, how much was that with, with Nick Foles getting hot. I don't know. I remember Doug Peterson, again, handing Mike Zimmer his ass in an NFC Championship game. Absolutely. And then, and then not handing his ass, but certainly... Well, then Zimmer uh, hired his OC and uh, failed miserably. Well, he, he also out, out coached and outfoxed uh, Bill Belichick, literally. I mean, that Philly special, mm-hmm. big balls Doug, that's a big play to call in a big game like that and worked against one, the biggest defensive genius ever. And uh, so I'd be okay with Doug Peterson. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, there's not much else to say there. I think he's the best candidate when it comes to a resume of the uh, of the names that have been floated out there. And well, he, fl- do, he flamed we... out. He flamed out. I get it. It didn't. It may, he maybe he was a flash in the pan. I don't think so. Um, well, you could, maybe maybe that was Carson Wentz's fault. Yeah, I mean, he's about to take down Frank Reich Absolutely. too. So I mean, yeah, and, and a lot of people thought it was uh, Peterson wasn't as good without Frank Reich. Okay, it's possible. I don't know, might not work, but it sounds like a pretty good idea. And you're talking about offense. You're talking about far more innovative offense than Mike Zimmer ever wanted to run. That's Doug Peterson. He has proven that. He's proven that more as a head coach. Uh, than Kellen Moore and Eric Bieniemy because they haven't been head coaches. Is it even worth it to throw out the name Jim Harbaugh? Not really because I, I just don't think it's possible. I mean, For the Vikings. That's, yeah, that's how exactly. I look at it. Yeah. I could see him coming back to the NFL. I don't know why the hell the Vikings would be his choice. I mean, we're, we're, we've heard him link to the Rams, or I mean the Raiders and the Dolphins, and uh, the Bears have an opening too. He played for the Bears. You know, I, yeah, the I've Bears heard some Vikings fans say job. that he's on their list. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Vikings are an attractive job, but I just don't see why Jim Harbaugh would say, yeah, that's, no, no. that's the job I'm leaving Michigan for. I think for. he'd rather go to um, maybe the Raiders, if that's going to be open. Uh, a lot of people have speculated that the Dolphins firing Flores was a surprise. They were the one of the best teams in the NFL in the second half. Yeah, I think Harbaugh would like that. Well, that's So some people are speculating that Harbaugh's already a done yeah. deal there. That's why they fired him. Now, Brian Flores, that's interesting to me as well. I, yeah. I'm, I'm a fan. This day and age, the reason why more offensive guys get hired than defensive guys, especially with teams that offensively struggle or certainly need – uh, certainly need a fresh offensive mind. Is if you want to if you want to improve your offense with a great offensive mind, then you got to your head coach has to be an offensive guy. Um, he, he just does. I mean, Kellen Moore is going to get a head coaching job with somebody else. So is Eric Bieniemy. So is Doug Peterson for that matter. So it makes sense if you're leaning offense or defense to lean offense uh, because you're just you're not going to get as you're not going to get as perceivably as accomplished of an offensive coordinator running your offense if you hire a defensive coach and he has to hire an offensive coordinator and but Brian Flores to me uh, like again wouldn't complain if I'm a Vikings fan I wouldn't complain that Miami is a dumpster fire dysfunctional organization they made it obvious by firing Brian Flores he did fine he got them better every year you're working with Tua Tunga Vailoa you're working in Bill Belichick's division and Josh Allen's division the and Dolphins they become him. like the lions of He's, the AFC yeah like, that's just he's, where pl- he's a good Saban, coach. You know, Jimmy Johnson, Nick yeah. Saban, all these guys. Oh, Miami 
got their guy. They throw they throw all this money at big name coaches, and no one ever wins shit there. Yeah, I mean, you know. yeah. So Flores would be fine. Bulls would be fine. And again, the enemy and and more, although unproven. The enemy, you don't know how much of that Chiefs offense is him, how much of it is Andy Reid. Certainly, most of it is Patrick Mahomes and Cal- Travis Kelsey. And, and, yeah, that makes uh, me nervous about Bianami. Plus, I still hate Eric Bianami for the too many men in the huddle penalty in 09. <laughs> that's, uh, I still haven't forgiven him for that. That's rather personal, but okay. And uh, Kellen Moore, uh, okay. That, that, that's something I like because, yeah, he gets to work with Dak Prescott and he's got three great receivers, but. Um, it, it's it's a little more definitive that uh, he's innovated the Cowboys offense, uh, third year's OC, and uh, they're leading the league in scoring and yards. And they, they have Dak, who, like Kirk Cousins, is good, not great at quarterback. So let's so let's get to um, so I, all these guys who are on the quote unquote list look fine. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I shouldn't complain, and you also shouldn't do cartwheels because you never know how well it's going to work out. But with Kirk Cousins. There's, there's, there, there could be a belief that with a brand new GM and a brand new head coach, does anyone, does anybody want to keep paying for that? Would you like to make a trade? Would you like to make a deal? Because that thing has, it hasn't fallen dead. Kirk Cousins is gonna be good enough to get you with the roster you have, seven, eight, or nine wins. That's yeah. it. Do you really want that? Do you want to be saddled with that? Um, I, I. I'd like I, I would try I would try to trade him, and the chance that you don't have Spielman who made the deal anymore increases the chances that he'll get traded. Well, do you want to see him anymore in a Vikings uniform? Not especially, but I also you know if they're not going to blow it up, which they should. Yeah. Um, but if they're if they're going to try and stay competitive, then you have to keep him. You're not going to find a better alternative. I, I you know what do they have the 12th pick in the draft or something? I don't know. I mean. It, well, there's two possibilities. I guess I would like to see them try to trade him. Yeah. If they can't, fair enough. That's, okay, that's fair. Him, you know. the, the two possibilities seem to be Russell Wilson, who isn't what he used to be, but he's had he's he's been working with a lot of garbage in Seattle. They've had he's bad. Still pretty goddamn good player. They've had defenses, and unlike Kirk Cousins, he's he can biggest, escape the rush. <laughs> we would go from probably the biggest dweeb quarterback yeah. in the NFL to the second biggest dweeb quarterback True. in the NFL. But, but unlike Kirk, <laughs> and, and by the way, we, we don't need to dive into the Kirk thing, but he's just not a leader of players. He's a, he's a robot. And he's Russ a weird is. guy. Say Russ what you is. want about him being dorky. And that matters. Yeah. That matters in yeah. big games, yeah. and Kirk doesn't win big games. Right. And if you don't believe he's 59 right. and 59 in his right. career, if you, if you don't buy the Kirk Cousins isn't clutch and can't win big games outside of New Orleans that one year, then you're blind. Uh, it doesn't matter how good his stats are. A lot of them are, are, are a lot of them are at the most meaningless times. So anyway, Russell would be good, but you know Minneapolis was not on his wish list supposedly. And uh, Derek Carr, I wouldn't mind Derek Carr. Oh, I'd he's love a Derek turnover Carr. machine, but he's a leader of guys, and he's and by the way, speaking of clutch, he's got like since he came into the league, he's right up there with the most. Game-winning touchdowns. So that's a possibility because we're not sure if the Raiders and whoever they might have as their new coach and or GM would want to stay on Derek Carr. They've always been kind of flirting away from Derek Carr over there. So, or you could, but you, you don't want to, you don't want to draft a quarterback, do you? You don't want to see if you can. I mean, I don't know. Maybe the new G- GM they hire is smart and drafts a good one. <laughs> you know, I mean, no one knew who the hell Dak yeah. Prescott was coming out of college. Yeah. What was he taking in the third round, second round? Yeah. Certainly wasn't first round. And that's. It's funny we could talk about what a shit show the Kellen Mond situation turned out to be. Well, I thought but that I, was mismanaged by Mike Zimmer as well. It was, but also it's it's also possible that Mike Zimmer is correct in that yeah this guy cannot play, yeah. and that was a complete waste of a draft. Not pick. even going to activate him. But I kind of wonder if 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 uh, Rick Spielman didn't kind of just think like, did the Cowboys really know anything about Dak Prescott, or did they just take a guess and get lucky? I mean, it's Jerry Jones. What the hell does he know? 
it's certainly possible that Rick Spielman just closed his eyes and pointed at a quarterback in the third round and said, maybe there's a 10% chance that Kellen Mond is the next Dak Prescott yeah. or not Tom Brady, but you know, a guy who gets, who's drafted in say the third to fifth or sixth round, t- Tony Romo, you know, and be- becomes a star quarterback. I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe the Vikings. Why can't the Vikings get that kind of guy? You know, we've talked about you know they swung and miss on Christian Ponder. Teddy Bridgewater got hurt, but you know how come they haven't been able to find that guy in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth round? That okay, yeah, he doesn't step right in and start right away. But Tony Romo eventually became a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah. Dak Prescott is a Pro Bowl quarterback. You know. You don't have to use. You don't have to have one of the top five picks to get that. Guy. I'm glad you feel that way and not just. Oh, you have Christian Ponder PTSD and you know never do that again. It's like and you know they'll only have the twelfth pick or whatever. It's I mean like, he wasn't even that yeah. bad of a pick compared yeah. to some of the other ones we've seen. I mean it's 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 time to move on from Kirk Cousins. I think he, I, I know quarterback win loss record shouldn't directly be connected to the quarterback and vice versa. But over the course of a decade and going 500 and always having a high floor and low ceiling. I think it's clear. Like if you're the Wilfs are making this move, firing Spielman and Zimmer because they want to win a goddamn Super Bowl, and they know Vikings fans want to win a goddamn Super Bowl. They've been around for 60 years. They haven't been to a Super Bowl in 45. Uh, we're we're you know we're tired of settling for mediocrity and mediocre. So uh, make Cousins a part of that equation as well, or try well, your hardest. You look back at Dennis Green. He never won a Super Bowl either. But he made the playoffs almost every single year. And won some playoff the, games. The Vikings have even got away from that. Yeah. You know, I mean, it used to be like, okay, at the bare minimum, we're going 10-6 and six and going yeah. to the wild card game. Now now even that the last couple of years. Because you said yourself, if, if Zimmer had gone 10-7 and seven and got the wild card this year, he'd still have his job. Yeah. So we got like five minutes. That's not a lot. We're, amazingly, we won't talk Jackrabbit and Coyote Hoops. Partly because we were running out of time. Partly because there was not much to say. Like the the men dominated the men. The SDSU dominated the men's game, and uh, USD dominated the women's game. And it's definitive. And uh, they'll all get a chance to play each other at least once, perhaps twice, uh, a piece in the Summit Championship game. And it'll be a hotter topic. And hopefully the gap will have closed because we like it when those are games. But uh, it was pretty clear cut with what's going on there right now. I mean, USD's men didn't have a team. Yeah, they, they honestly deserve credit for playing yeah they could have been like yeah no we can't play yeah they played give him credit for that yeah and Pulitzer White wasn't playing was he playing no he's not yeah. he is not back yet okay and it looks like yeah. he's still a ways away and uh so we can get to that or Noah Friedel and what's going on there and the Jacks and <laughs> anyway we can get that we can get to that um next week and then there's the there's the you wrote a column about this after watching the Bison dismantle Montana State first of well I'll ask you this first does that make you think less? Uh, does that change your mind about how you felt about South Dakota State all year long, considering you said they sh- they have the best roster in the country, they seem to be the best team in the country, they underachieved, and they should have turned it on late? And, uh, and you know, they get... I still think South Dakota State had the most talented team in the nation this okay. year. Um, I mean, I think I maybe said a couple times that NDSU wasn't quite as loaded or dominant or whatever as they've been in past years. But I'm pretty sure I picked them to win the national championship as soon as the playoff bracket. And they came had out. three weeks to do it, and they yeah, just know how to there, do it. There was nothing surprising there. Yeah, I mean the the Bison are the Bison. They they can be down in comparison to some of their other teams and still win it all. Once they got that top two seed, knew that they weren't going to have to leave the Fargo Dome until Frisco. They were the pick. Yeah. Um, Montana State played really well against the Jackrabbits, and having said that, I still did not come away from that game going, "Oh, the Bison are in trouble." I came away from that game going, Montana State won with an 
incredibly one-dimensional offense. If they think they're going to beat the Bison by running their freshman quarterback 40 times, yeah, no fucking way. And then he got hurt. And then he got hurt anyway. So forget it. Yeah, and so um, I expected – before the game started, I picked the Bison to win 27-13. And that's probably about what it maybe would have been if Tommy had stayed healthy. I don't know. And ended up 38-10. to Didn't expect it to be that much of a blowout. Obviously very deflating for everyone who's sick of the Bison winning it all and everything. But, you know, that's what they do. And you have to give them credit. And they, the one team. Continue. That's yeah. the difference between them and the Jacks. Oh, you can say, okay, the Jacks were the better team this year. They had more talent. They were deeper, more well-rounded or whatever. Yeah. Chris Oladokun compared to those quarterbacks, I'll take Chris 10 times out of 10. Pierre Strong over their running backs, Zay Davis, I'll take the Jacks. I mean, almost every position. Yeah. Even the offensive line where the Bison dominate, it's pretty close. Like, I can't think of the position group where I would – so, yeah, the Bison are better here, probably the secondary, I guess. But but otherwise, I mean, like, it's not that the Jacks didn't have the talent. And that doesn't mean I'm shitting on the Jacks coaches either. It just means the Bison have been doing this for so long. They take care of business. They don't blow a 20 to nothing lead at home to Southern Illinois during the regular season. They don't give up a Hail Mary on the final play of the game and lose to USD. And that's why they get home field advantage, and that's why they go Frisco, and that's how they win national championships. And the Jacks can once again say uh, we're the one team that did beat them. Yeah. Uh, and we know Zimmer. Uh, Zimmer. We know uh, Stig has uh, has made his hires, and uh, have they made all their coaching hires yet? They've uh, taken care of their coordinator situation, but they still have three openings. Okay. So we can get to that next week. And uh, and oh, by the way, there's the there's the larger picture of the FCS now that NDSU. Uh, look, their fans, their media, clearly a little bored uh, of winning national titles all the time, easily, and uh, going to Frisco, which doesn't well, have a nice GMU enough playing and, surface. If GMU and Sam Houston are leaving, yeah. it, it's tempting to just go, okay, is it just going to be SDSU and NDSU in the championship every year for the next 10 years? But we still haven't even seen that happen once yet. Yeah, exactly. So, uh-huh. Yeah, it's still interesting. It's not happening for at least a little bit that either of those two schools are going to move on. And some people think that'd be uh, good for their advancement, like USF going into Division Two, getting lost in the shuffle but being competitive, and nobody regrets that, as opposed to just running circles around everybody in the NAIA. Uh, but then you, your chances of winning national titles and having that kind of fun are obviously uh, are over. So Zim wrote about that. Read it. Maybe we'll dive into it next week. But uh, we're out of time. Thanks. Good to see you again, Good John. To, Happy uh, New Year. Uh, genuinely, likewise. <laughs> Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. <laughs> you guys need a round of drinks? Yes. Yeah.